and welcome to Manga Explaining, the show where we recommend great manga to people who haven't read much manga before. Hosted by Deb Aoki, David Brothers, Christopher Butcher, and Chip Zdarsky. Follow along with our show notes and reading list at mangasplaining.com. All right, here we go. This is a book that I've been threatening to inflict upon this group for a while, and I'm so glad to finally do it. <laughs> it is Vinland Saga by Mokoto Yukimura. It is published by Kodansha. And it is, well, it's it's kind of a long series, but maybe it doesn't seem long because it's in available now in 12 double-sized volumes. So it seems like a 12-volume series when it's actually a 24-volume series. <laughs> nice trick, Kodansha. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a, it's a book, it's a series that's been running since uh, 2005, and it is still uh, currently being serialized. Let's dive right into the explanation before we get much further, because sometimes we forget <laughs> to do that. The book description says, As a child, Thorfinn sat at the feet of the great Leif Erikson and thrilled to wild tales of a land far to the west. But his youthful fantasies were shattered by a mercenary raid. Raised by the Vikings who murdered his family, Thorfinn becomes a terrifying warrior, forever seeking to kill the band's leader, Askeladd, and avenge his father. Sustaining Thorfinn through his ordeal are his pride in his family and his dreams of a fertile westward land, a land without war or slavery, the land Leif Erikson called Finland. So basically, this is Viking manga. Yeah. <laughs> Viking manga, hell yeah. <laughs> so let's, I guess, maybe... You know what? We always start with Chris, and then we put Chip on the spot. So let's start with David this time. Whoa. Okay. <laughs> Breaking formula. <laughs> I don't know. What did you think of Inland Saga? I have a lot to say about this one, it turns out. So I discovered this one in part thanks to you, Deb, even oh. before the podcast, because Bridget Alverson picked it as one of the best manga of the year on one of the best and worst manga panels we did. Hmm. And I don't think I'd ever heard of it before, but I ended up picking it up a couple years later, like, I remembered Bridget's recommendation and a friend of mine, Sarah Horrocks, recommended it as well. And it's like super my bag. It's like my exact favorite genre. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Which know, like, is I like what? crime stuff and action stuff. And like, I would say my favorite genre is people who are really good at violence pointing out that violence is not the way. It's like advanced masculinity comics, you know? Like, if there's like toxic masculinity, that's one thing. This is like <laughs> yeah. the university course and how to be like a, a decent dude and this book is all about that kind of thing like why you use a weapon why you pick up a weapon how you kill people why to kill people and it's, it's extremely well drawn like the writing is pretty good the translation is really sharp i meant to look up who was responsible it was for paul. it Stephen paul he's good i think he also does one piece i believe so yeah yeah that's awesome then updated mm. localization on top of that yeah, and Scott Brown on lettering. I don't recognize his name, but the lettering was pretty solid. He's one of the left guys from way oh, back. Oh, I see. Yeah, he ran a publishing company that published a book, actually, that I co-wrote with some folks. The pop image book that I did way, oh, wow. way back in the day. He wow. was the publisher. Yeah. So he does, he's not really in comics, but he does freelance lettering and design yeah. still. Hey, Scott. <laughs> Very positive. Like, I can't give an unbiased, like, any type of objective take on this book because it hits so many different buttons for me. Like there's the, like what it means to be a man, to be a father, to be a son. There's like the awesome violence. Like there's a first person assassination in the first chapter. And that's when I knew that like I was hooked, you know, <laughs> and I'll hand off to Chris or Chip in a sec, but this like sparked a whole Viking like spiral for me because oh, six months after starting this, I started watching Vikings on the history channel, which was also awesome. Mm. and like i realized that my perception of when viking stuff happened and when king arthur stuff like happened well like scare quotes happened yeah. was way off like i didn't know anything about british history and this book was did a good job of kind of helping me figure it out like put things into place so yeah i'm all for it and if anyone dislikes it we can't be friends anymore <laughs> it's, 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 it's funny that you say you can't be objective about it because it's so well done. Like, it's not even a matter yeah. of like, oh, this is like my jam. So, of course, I like it. It's like, it's your jam, but also it's extremely well done. Yeah. This is also my jam to the point where I, I, I've i never read this before, but I did a series for Image called White Trees. 
where the main character is basically the main character from this and goes through like kind of the same stuff. Wow, <laughs> really? And meets the same fate. As I'm reading, I'm like, oh, damn. It's just, this sucks because this is so much better. <laughs> it's just a horrible feeling. Yeah, like like David, I'm, a, I'm an absolute sucker for this. Like one of my favorite movies. Well, favorite comic book adaptations, I guess, is History of Violence. Hmm. Cronenberg. Oh, it, really? It's, it's got that kind of feel. It's just like the guy who's like starting over small town and then his past catches up to him. He's like, I'm not that guy anymore. I'm not that guy anymore. And then he has to like oh. show how horrific he can be. Yeah. So the, the interesting thing about this is there were some really interesting kind of twists and turns, like obviously with the storytelling where they start, I, I don't know, present, future, and then and then go back to kind of talk about the origins of the characters. That was a super smart choice, like jumping right into the action yeah. and giving us these really wildly interesting characters. And then also being like, oh, hey, you're probably wondering how we got here. <laughs> so it creates a tension because the whole time you're reading, you're just like, you know what's going to happen to Thor's. Mm. But but even still, it still manages to surprise you like. One of my favorite things in this book was when he finally is unleashed towards the end of volume one. And afterwards, they take note that nobody was killed. <laughs> 27 that, like, people. <laughs> yeah, 27 people just incapacitated yeah. by him and nobody was killed. I was just like, oh, that's so smart. Like, because my instinct would be like, all right, he's, you know, he's murdering because he has to. But even at that point, he still doesn't have to and he doesn't do it. Which is which is super smart. Yeah, I, I love this. Like, I think there's not a wasted line in it. It's highly detailed, but every line is kind of laid down perfectly. There's such a precision here to the storytelling and the rendering. The closest, I think, the closest thing we've seen to that was was it Yona of the Dawn? Mm. Which 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 one yeah, was or like Bride Story? Or Bride Story? Yeah, mm. like just super super. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's Bride Story. That, that's super fine uh, detail. But the detail isn't because they don't know how to draw, which sometimes detail is there for. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like if you, if you, you know, draw every bead on a thing or every link in like some armor, it's because you just don't know how to draw like anything of substance. But here it's like, it's just, it's perfect. One of the most perfect looking books yeah. I've ever seen. And the action is just so amazing. What's what's the the boxing manga again, David? Ajime no Ippo. Yeah, it reminded me of that, like the the, yeah. the action scenes, the rendering style. Because there's a there's a thing that gets done where where each line kind of has their own like miniature speed lines, <laughs> just to, just to, just to show just like just that that vibration energy, which was mm-hmm. uh, uh, seen a lot in in the boxing manga. Yeah, this this is amazing. It's a awesome awesome book and. This is one. This gets my rare chip gold star. I will read more of this. Nice, nice. Wow. At first, I was at first I was angry because I opened it up and it was four hundred sixty-seven pages, (laughs) and I was like, "Deb, Deb tricked me again." (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Into thinking this is just a single volume, but then as I was nearing the end, I'm just like, "Oh man, I can't believe I'm. This is going to be over. Like that sucks." Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really well done. Just one, but two volumes today. The Japanese edition. Yeah, yeah volume twelve just came out. I think recently. So, and, and that's that, the end. Uh, no, I think no. that's that takes us up to volume twenty four in Japan, and I think volume twenty five is coming out. So we need to wait another year or so. I am. But it's. <laughs> I'm not yeah. sure where he's taking it, uh, yeah. or where he, if he's planning on ending it soon. But it does go on a lot. It does go on a journey that I think is worthwhile. Yeah. Yeah. Fair warning for Chip and our listeners. Upcoming manga explaining pick Devilman is 680 pages. So. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> Only the first volume is 600. Only the first volume. Yeah. Because I think it's the whole series in two, but we'll get there. We'll burn that bridge when we get to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Chris, let's hear what you what your first impressions of Vinland Saga, or if you'd read it before. What else is there to say? I mean, <laughs> these boys are so wrong. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's good it's very good the th- all of all of what chip and david said the thing that was most interesting to me 
was when you sent the notes for this episode when you were going to like ask questions and things like that and you're like oh this is by the creator of planets and have you read planets what do you think about that and i'm sure we'll get to that but i was shocked uh, this doesn't look anything like planets to me and it looks like a completely different mangaka almost and i thought i was going crazy actually went and read <laughs> the first chapter of planet the uh, first couple chapters of planets just to confirm and it almost like he almost is a different mangaka I like Planets a lot. I think the artwork in it is actually gorgeous, but it's after having seen this, it's so stiff now in comparison. He's doing things in this with caricature in terms of facial expressions and things like that, that I think Planets only had like the most extreme moments. They would have a character crack a, a cartoonier face or something like that. You know what I mean? Whereas this, I mean, the French, the King of the Franks is literally a <laughs> Ghibli drawing. <laughs> you know what I mean? A giant total mouth when he opens Which I kind of expected drawing. more of as it went on. Like that, that actually felt a little strange to me. Like when it happened, I'm like, oh, this is going to be, this is cool. Yeah. Like this, these kind of characters are going to pop up and a lot of like really different styles of character. But no, it's just that I think one he might be the only one that's that cartoony. Like yeah. over the course of the run. This drawing here where he's like yawning yeah, yeah. and he's got like his yeah. mouth open and it's just like, oh, that's ex- that's straight out of Totoro when Totoro yeah. is it, yawning. It totally is. But, but you know what else? The character's yeah. name is General Jabatha? Like Jabba the Hutt? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that's some good localization. Like there really is a lot of caricature in the drawings it's not as like that dude is obviously the most Mm. like like he's a totoro but even things like Askifin has like a really uh yeah has a really cartoony face he has big big Mm. expressions the next big bad guy which we've been introduced in this volume loki Loki. whatever (laughs) same thing has like and then even the cartooning that's given to leif erickson in this like he's definitely being portrayed like an like like an old man in an anime <laughs> rather than like a virile warrior type character because uh. he's a little bit older right and i think and the kids the young people like the, he really pushes their expressions so that was the thing actually that kind of set my whole like kind of turned my brain upside down after i had finished reading this and i read that i was like <laughs> like no no way it's it's shocking actually a little bit because it doesn't I think it's perfectly at home. Like, I think you're telling this story about Vikings and you see just like, other than like the very dour character at the center of the first volume, like the dad, everyone is like rambunctious and over the top and, you know, and it kind of really fits that kind of style of a caricature. And I think that that's, I think that that's actually fascinating to see this kind of cartooning in a story like this, because I hadn't, Honestly, it's one of the things that I'm most excited about when we get to Golden Kamui in a few weeks, because that kind of cartooniness is is part and parcel of mm-hmm. that series. Like it is straightforward and serious and has beautiful art and has like a like a blocky chunkiness to it. Whatever, but he's not afraid to go cartoony with the expressions and not just in an anime way. And I mean that as derogatorily <laughs> as it serves the story. But yeah, I'm honestly kind of floored by the art. I think it is a good mix of, of realism and of research and of being not being afraid to be cartoony, not being afraid to take the kids and make them look like adorable little moppets when it matters, and then set them against this beautifully drawn like Viking longship, I think is really cool. Yeah, this is the, the other thing is, this is the most narrative a thing I've read or participated in in maybe years at Why this point. Why do you point. say that? What do you, yeah. I do read manga every week, but it's not, it's hard to explain, but it's not like this. This sort of serialized narrative is something I don't really mm. do anymore. I don't really watch TV in this way. But having, the last year and a half, I've been having really bad anxiety. And I find TV, I find narrative TV especially to be really bad for it, <laughs> like really triggering. So things like, Andrew has watched, for example, all of the Vikings TV shows. I think there's three of them that are like long running ones. And, you know, I, I got about four episodes into Downton Abbey and then it was too stressful. See, yeah. And that's Downton Abbey. Like, it's just, there's too much intrigue. This is yeah. killing me. Like, even seeing clips of Curb Your Enthusiasm, I have to change the channel. <laughs> oh, jeez. So, wow. it's, narrative is, when we do things, when I read things that are familiar, it doesn't happen. When I read comedy, when we read a lot of stuff that's supposed to be sad, that's like supposed to like tug at your heartstrings, it's okay. This is just like the anxiety of like, 
I was glad to know that he was going to die. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I was that say. actually cooled it off. And I think you were right. Like, I think that the fact that they introduced that he's dead in the first chapter lets you experience the rest of this volume a lot. But there's like the intrigue or like that kind of stuff. I, yeah, it's it's really good. It's really well done. And it was a very personally, it was a very weird experience to be reading stuff like this again, to be experiencing this kind of narrative again. Just before we started, you guys were talking about going and rewatching what was it, Casino Royale. And I'm like, oh man, I didn't see that one. I should go back and watch that. And I haven't even thought that for like oh, a year man. and a half. This was just good enough to be like, oh, maybe narrative is yeah. okay. <laughs> <laughs> like Mary's maybe sustained narrative is okay. Well, you know, James Bond is going to so, survive. Know. James Bond oh, will return. I don't believe and, that. You know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I believe he's immortal, but I don't believe he's going this, to survive. This, this, is, a, this is a tangent, but, anyway, but we'll get, I think I mentioned before that my wife cannot handle any kind of situation on TV or in movies, and it really limits what we can watch together. What kind of situation so the, can't she yeah, handle? Me and her could just watch Golden like Girls. Like Seinfeld, half the Seinfeld episode, she can't. Like if characters know things that other characters don't know, and she just like she can't take it to the point where a group of us went to see that hit comedy movie, The Lighthouse. <laughs> uh, towards the last 10 minutes she just tapped me on the shoulder and said i'll I'll meet you in the lobby (gasps) she got up and she walked out and we finished watching it and while she was in the lobby she just went onto the wikipedia page and then read the plot summary just so she could know exactly what happened and she's like all right now i know i didn't even do that for for parasite my goodness (laughs) she does it with novels too like she will start reading a novel if there's any kind of tension she'll just go to the last few pages read them and then go back and then keep reading the novel Hmm. just so she knows how things are gonna end up i love the tension i kind of get what chris is talking about it's like the open-ended narrative idea like when we're reading bl metamorphosis it's a certain type of story yeah but this can kind of turn into Hmm. anything at any moment and this volume does in a lot of ways. There's like funny cartooning bits on one page and then yeah. like trauma on a uh, next page. Yeah. Deb, what did you think? Oh, I, I mean, Vikings are not my, are not my favorite historical figures. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not like something I'm obsessed about, right? It's not something I'm, I know everything about, but I love good historical manga that teaches me something that I didn't know before. Mm-hmm. What I liked about this was that it's got that combination of beautiful art, a, an engaging story with interesting characters, and then woven in it is stuff about history that I you know, just didn't know that much about. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's also interesting because it handles it in a very emotional and human way. You know, it's like the relationship between uh, Thor, Thorfinn and his dad and the relationship between him and like the guy who's, who's terrorizing him. Ascalad. <laughs> Ascalad. Like, yeah. And that there's, it's very manly, but it's also very sensitive. Mm-hmm. And it also, rem- like you were saying, David, it reminded me a lot of Vagabond by Takihiko yeah. Inoue. In Vagabond, it's basically about Miyamoto Musashi, who is this famous swordsman and philosopher. But it's st- the story starts out when he's a, a young man who is very wild and violent and un- untamed. You know, just wants to wants to kill has no fear of death just doesn't quite understand the meaning of life and death and the power that he holds to to kill other people or to spare them like he's very he's all id right yeah (laughs) and all id and ego but and so the, the the journey of of vagabond is his journey from being this kind of angry young man into a an old an adult who starts to really understand what life really means and sometimes that being brave means not fighting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can be a warrior without picking up a sword or knowing when not to. That sometimes it's braver to not mm-hmm. yeah. start a war. Like one of the things that I thought was really striking in volume one was this part where the flashback where Thor's the, the kids and the, the younger boys in the village go, It's a war, and they're all excited, right? And then Thor's is the only one looking down, like, oh shit, you know. Yeah. <laughs> like and he knows exactly yeah. what it is. And it's kind of like, you know, people like you know, kids who play video games like first person shooters thinking, mm-hmm. "Oh yeah, I'm going to go to mm-hmm. in Iraq." If they ever actually do send up to the military, mm-hmm. oh boy, are they in for an awakening <laughs> on what it really what it really means to be on the cusp of life and death. So, yeah. it's I like this book because it has it hits so many buttons, right? It's a good story, good art interesting premise 
a lot of depth and great characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And the way that the storytelling comes about, like, you know, like it's not, it's not like my impression of Vikings before this was like, you know, death metal Vikings, you know, or, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're, they're savages, you know, all they want to do is, you know, kill, eat and fuck. Right. Sorry. Yeah. Bleep that. <laughs> <laughs> and this bleep, is- eat, bleep eat, bleep <laughs> eat. And this was actually, and there's still that aspect of Vikings in here, but there's more to it than that, and Mm -hmm, kind of it gives a lot of depth. Mm. So it's, I think it's a what I what kind of shocked me when I was doing some of the initial research for this episode was I looked at the publication history for this book, and initially it was in a shonen magazine for about eight months, and then it got (laughs) moved to a seinen magazine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. So, which made me think, oh, okay. So, in the beginning, it was this story about this young, angry man trying to get vengeance for his dead father. And then it turns into this whole interesting yeah. story about all these different men and their idea of what masculinity means and what it means to be brave and strong and how that they butt up next, they butt up against each other because of these beliefs. The shonen thing kind of makes sense, but I want to, I want to do one digression before I forget. Oh, I have an update about my grandmother and our shared taste in things. Oh, yeah. oh. <laughs> so the TV series Vikings actually ended recently. Uh, the season finale was super good, but she spoiled it for me because I didn't realize the last half of the season had come out and she watched it on Hulu and I was waiting for it on Amazon. So we were trying to figure out the last one she watched, the last one I watched, and she said something. And I was like, wait, that guy's dead. And she was like, no, 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 he comes back in this episode. I was like, oh, oh. no. Oh, grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so great show. Definitely watch it. But to the Shonen point that Deb mentioned, there's a lot of Fist of the North Star in this, I think. Mm-hmm. Or rather, like the same kind of philosophy that's threaded throughout Fist of the North Star. When late in, this, late in the volume, Thor's dies, and he dies standing up filled with arrows, which echoes two different like legendary Japanese heroes. One is the monk mm. Benkei and the other is Rao from Fist of the North Star. And Benkei's deal was he was a warrior monk who was like, just like the baddest dude around. He fought 999 people and took their weapons. Like that was his deal. He would fight you and take your sword and he was going for a thousand, but he was foiled on his thousandth attempt, basically by like the most powerful swords with the most famous warrior became his servant and then like follow him around and eventually died standing up defending his, you know, his master and was covered in arrows. Wow. And ever since like dying, standing up is such like a manly thing to do, you know? Oh, that, ha- that happens in one piece, right? <laughs> yeah. It happens in one piece. Zolo in one piece tries to make it happen when he's frozen in place and he like poses in the way he'd like to die before he dies, <laughs> which <laughs> is <great>. amazing. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah, But in Fist of the North Star, Rao does the same thing. And one thing that's great about Fist of the North Star is a lot of the villains have actually very pure goals. They're like, mm-hmm. the world is broken. We have to fix the world. I'm the only one who knows how to do it. And so it leads to a lot of like super yeah. villain stuff, but also like a lot of like philosophical differences that are solved by punching. Oh. And Rao is the brother of the main character from Fist of the North Star. So there's like a very human conflict in there. So for Thor's to die like that, I was like, oh, this is definitely like strip mining people who grew up on shonen manga. It's like if you have, you know, with yeah. great power comes great responsibility and like a not superhero thing. Yeah. It still make it still makes sense. It still works. We get the reference or truth justice in the American way, I guess. Yeah. So like the language of this but is it's, so it's cool. It's not that though. It's totally not that. And it's this is something I want yeah. to ask you about because you're the Gundam fan. Gundam is like a multi-year treatise on how war is pointless. War is just the worst. And actually everything is terrible about war and there's no heroes and everything is trash. And everyone does have real motivations for their, their conflicts and things like that. And this is the opposite of truth justice in the American way, like where it's about, you know, just going out there and winning (laughs) at all costs. This is like, actually all conflict is shit and like people die and it's never glorious and it's never good. And that's like, such a Japanese storytelling trope mm-hmm. to me now. I know that that's obviously finds its way into other kinds of media, but like you think about Gundam, which is the biggest sci-fi thing that in Japan that has influenced things, you know, then you go further back and you think about 
how people dealt with losing World War II uh, in that country. And you think about all of the media that's come since then that has been like, war is stupid and pointless. Let's stop this. Right up until like pretty recently with House Moving Castle, where there's like a war, the, the, the Studio Ghibli film, the Miyazaki one, which is not a very good movie. <laughs> oh, the wind the whole, rises. Like, the whole thing right? is like, there's a war running in the background. Yeah, yeah or the wind rises. There's a war running in the background of these films. And it's not about that. It's about these interpersonal conflicts and how war is stupid and people should stop it if they have the power to stop it, which, you know. It's, in, it's in so funny you. because like, like reading this made me think of these kind of stories and how they just have their cake and they eat it too. Like it's a yeah. story about like oh, yeah. violence is not right and murder is not right. Here are the most awesome fight scenes you're <laughs> ever going to see, man. <laughs> like i'm just I'm, I'm soaking it in i'm just like oh that's so cool he just chopped off those fingers and then their things are flying the and image of his like his son holding his, the hem of his like tunic with the arrows in his chest is so yeah. good so also good. anything where someone catches yeah. someone else's weapon and starts to use it is like catnip like i'm in <laughs> yeah yeah but yeah, yeah chris you're it's totally a thing and i think it's also something i've noticed in a lot of japanese media but it's kind of like how there's a good anti-war movie is still a good war movie. Yeah. Like there's kind of no two ways around that. Mm. So you kind of have to have like the super cool, like my way or the highway bit, but then like the, a more emotional aspect, like the Gundam aspect of it comes in through the dialogue and the relationships. Cause like mm. Thorfinn joining Askeladd's crew to eventually kill him one day is like, it's a great violence setup, mm. but like he's a child. Yeah. You know, so there's such a strange emotional resonance in there. Because Escalade just likes to fuck with him. Like, you know, like, like, yeah. like that, where he's like basically an adult <laughs> holding a kid by, by his head saying, keep <laughs> swinging at me, kid. It ain't going to hit me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's benefiting so much from this kid basically becoming like the perfect killer. Yeah. Which is another very anime thing. Yeah. I know. The fact that this starts with the kid being like the best fighter in his yeah. crew. And, and yet, Askeladd's still not scared of him. It's, it <laughs> makes Askeladd more of a badass. Yeah. Yeah. I want to spoil one thing about late in the series, the title of chapter 50. I'll try to keep it clean because okay. I know Chip wants to read more. Yeah. But ch- chapter 50 is called The End of the Prologue. What? And, yeah. <laughs> Amazing. And I saw this title and like I cussed out loud. I was like... <laughs> It's like if Claremont, I was asking about this on Twitter. It's like if Claremont did Phoenix up through Dark Phoenix and was like, okay, now that all that's done, we're getting to like hardcore small town politics for the rest of my X-Men run. Yeah, yeah. Like the series transforms so much and it still stays absolutely true to its core. Like there's the conversation about where do you want to go? And it's like, there's a land across the sea. Like we could live in Vinland. Like there's a place for us somewhere. Like that yeah. still is a factor, you know, 24 volumes down the line. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it's such, it's very, it's not meandering. There's a lot to the series. Like it's very long, but it's really focused at the same time. And I think it really benefits from that. It seems well thought out, even just looking yeah. at volume one. Like, like there are no, yeah, like you said, it doesn't, it, there's no meandering here. Everything is very deliberate and set up and pays off as you go. Yeah. Which is, which is great. Mm. Also great author's notes. Yes. There's only a couple in this one. Yeah. Those are fun. There's one in a later volume where he's just like in awe at the like power of motherhood. Mm. It's so good. I think I saw that somewhere. Did someone post that? On I think Twitter I did. Or something? I was really impressed. <laughs> okay. His his end notes are great, and yeah. the interviews are really terrific. I mean, this one only mm-hmm. has like the his trip to Iceland, which I could complete. Oh, yeah. I could completely mm-hmm. relate to. That part about like the only time the Northern Lights came out was when you were eating. Completely <laughs> relatable. <laughs> completely effing yeah. relatable. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I love the sense of humor that he brings. Like, it's not all, you know, blah, 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 kill, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's like these moments like when Askeladd like says, turns to his henchman and goes, hatchet, cheer, <laughs> over the distance. And he goes, bullseye. He goes, that's our manager, you know, kind of thing. That yeah. killed me because the guy he hit shot the guy in front of him with an arrow. Like, it's such an amazing joke. 
<laughs> and then there's that scene where, like, the, the the woman is like, you know, pitch, you know, combing through all the debris of the battle. She pulls out an arrow, and there's an eyeball. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that was crazy. There's a the one of the scenes that I truly enjoy. I discovered is way in volume three, which I call the horse punching scene. <laughs> <laughs> well, spoiler. I, I put it in the manga explaining sheet so you can see it, but it is spec. Spectacular. <laughs> I am going to guess that it's about Thorkel, who's the only one who could probably punch a horse, now that I'm thinking about it. A horse running towards him. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> one of the bits that, that made me chuckle in this was a Thorfinn hiding out on the ship, and then when they discover him, he's just like, just a second, and then this goes and pisses off the side of the boat. It's such a great look on the kid's face. It's like, oh, that feeling of, oh, finally. Like, nothing else matters at that point. Yeah. I think that's one of the things that Deb was talking about, that there's such good little moments of humor in and amongst all of these sort of wonderful bits of violence and speeches about violence. That's really, yeah. really good. My favorite scene was actually when they killed the dude that was hiding, waiting to assassinate between the, in the conversation between oh, Askin yeah. and Floki, where they have, they pretend oh. to have an accident and accidentally <laughs> yeah. kill a dude who's like waiting to ambush yeah. them during that, that talk. Just to show that, like, oh, Askvin's actually someone you got to really watch out for. I thought that yeah. was really good. I thought that was just like such a clever ass sequence. And it's not something I haven't ever seen before. Yeah. You know what I mean? But usually it's a lot, it's a hell of a lot more direct than that. And that, like, the, the, it showed that both people were playing, you know, chess. You know <laughs> what I mean? As opposed to just, <laughs> you yeah. know, button heads. And I thought that that was really good. What was your favorite scene uh, other than the, being off the side of the boat scene, which I also thought was hilarious. Also beautiful that scene. <laughs> oh yeah, it's all it's all so good. Yeah, I mean the just the the death scene, like mm. you know, which you've already oh, kind of covered. So it's so well drawn, and the way they leave the upper half of Thor's in shadow mm. is just such a great choice. Yeah, mm. yeah, it's it's er, everything in this is is beautiful and works really well. I did like it was a great kind of character moment where when Thor's basically pays everything to have that slave released. Oh yeah. Mm. And like, if it was just a standard kind of boring story, like then the slave would get better and then, you know, rise and become like his buddy. And they were going to, they take on the world together, but no, he just like, he pays everything for him to be free and then dies. Like that was such a beautiful moment in terms of like revealing the kind of character that Thor's is and like how his his daughter was just like on him about it. <laughs> like, <laughs> why why would you do this? What's wrong with you? Yeah, I I also like I mean you know there's obviously a lot of historical information in this, but like right off the bat they show you like oh we're this is not a history book. Like these characters <laughs> are doing things that are unreal which I find a really fascinating combination. And especially when like that, the master of the slave, like his weapon is this chain that he just like kind of wraps around people's heads and kills Ooh, them. I winced at that one. <laughs> I know, but as soon as it happens, yeah, like, you know, he's, he's all like super villain talking about chains and then uses that chain as, as this horrific weapon. I'm just like, Oh, okay. This is that kind of book. Like yeah. characters show up with their weird traits and, <laughs> even though we're in kind of a historical narrative because it would probably be a lot more boring if we didn't have like these kind of supernatural super ability characters in this story. But it never quite goes to the level of a fist of the North star where you're like, Oh wait, what? No. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It stays, it's like elevated, but it's not like extreme, mm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite part was probably the four panel comic in between the volumes, the heroic exploits of Viking girl, Eva. (laughs) Like she's such a good character and her fantasy. So (laughs) I don't know. It just worked for me. Yeah. I will say that the the first volume is very light on the female characters. Yeah. And that later on, there are much more interesting and complex female characters that are more than just women and sisters. But I think this first volume is such a good, solid, encapsulation of the themes that this the rest of the series will go through yeah. mm-hmm. the questions that who thor is before he dies and who thorfinn is and and eventually tries to become is is 
you know, that's the goalpost, right? Like Thorfinn goes through this period where, you know, he's angry and then he decides, he goes through a lot and then he decides maybe his dad had some, what he was dad was saying really did have some truth to it. Yeah. Turns out killing a thousand people is not good for the mental health. Yeah. Go figure. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) No, it's like, uh, so David, you pick, you pick the favorite scene. You like. I went with the comedy scene. Because so much of the action is, you know, like Chip mentioned the bit earlier where like he chops off the fingers and catches the sword. Like that's really cool. The first person killing and then like the head falls off the parapet and he's like, ah, crap. Like I I need that to show my boss. Like that's really good. There's just tons of good bits, like great design, like all the different designs on the axes. Yeah. It's hard to choose just one action moment. So I went with the funniest bit in the book, I think. (laughs) Yeah, there's, there's so much beauty in this. Mm-hmm. Also, I had to reread. I didn't have to, I guess, but I had to reread the White Trees number one, oh, number two oh. for last week's show notes. <laughs> since you brought it up, and you're being a little hard on yourself. It's a very Thanks. good book. Kudos. Is to it you, as sir. similar as he feels? the The central figure of of a very good warrior who doesn't want to fight anymore. Mm-hmm is good but i think even then chip's character is sort of dead on the inside yeah yeah <laughs> whereas this character is the exact opposite is that he's learned what he is what he was fighting for and why he doesn't want to risk anything anymore mm-hmm. which i think is is pretty good as well awesome i have a big question i have a big question about this he he doesn't there's a chance well, let me rephrase so thor's doesn't want to fight to the point where he doesn't even kill any of the people that he disarms at the end of this book. And he does it in the hopes that Askafin, who by all accounts seems like a piece of garbage, won't go back and destroy that village or, or the his old boss won't destroy the village or whatever. But like, there's no guarantees there. He's already kind of proven himself to not be an honorable person. Would it have been better if he had fought to defend his family and himself? Like, is the core message of the book that he holds right and do we find out that it's going to be different later on because whatever that message was his son clearly didn't pick it up like he slays some dudes <laughs> in this book you know what i mean yeah. so like when is it right to fight i have an answer but it's also a question for you do you sure. when rorschach died at the end of watchmen do you think that was a heroic act or a what how did you feel about that because i feel like the they're very similar it was inevitable yeah, I think this is the same thing where he's chosen his path. Like, this is his morality. Like, this is his idea of justice. And breaking that even to save his village would be a betrayal of himself and also the life he built back in his village. Hmm. But I think there is enough honor in that, like, you can't just be the guy who, like, betrays everybody all the time. You know? <laughs> Well, you don't get to bleed <laughs> at that point because someone will just take you out. At some, it's like why Starscream will never bleed her of the Decepticons. It's because he will betray anybody at any moment, which means he will always be betrayed. Yeah. And same thing here where I think if you're known for being the person who doesn't keep your word versus being the person who's vengeful or something like that, then like there's consequences or maybe there will be consequences. Hmm. I think it's the violence. The, the violence question. I'm always fascinated with it, obviously, because I right for marvel and dc in which violence is so baked into those comics mm-hmm. that every issue has to have some sort of violent action <laughs> like it just has to <laughs> like if it doesn't i'm gonna get a note back saying what happened here <laughs> <laughs> and i always think back on when the movie man of steel came out and for anyone who doesn't recall towards the end you know general zod is like firing his heat vision or whatever he's going to kill some people and superman's got him by the neck and he has to make this decision and he he makes the decision he he snaps his neck he kills him and people uh, people arguing for it would always go like he had no choice and i was just like he's not real like somebody (laughs) wrote the scene like (laughs) yeah so so ultimately the writer has the ability to like to make it so superman never has to kill like it's not like he's a real person that's mm-hmm. encountered this situation and has to make the choice. <laughs> so I, I find in narratives like this and, and superhero narratives, you know, questions around violence, like you know, ultimately they're for uh, children, young men, young women, whatever. And you can you can write the story in such a way that like you know 
you don't have to kill. You don't have to resort to this mm-hmm. in order to for to have the happy ending or whatever. Real life is not that, unfortunately. No. Violence <laughs> is almost always the solution. <laughs> when you look at all of history, and it's a horrible, horrible truth, and we need to violently overthrow government. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Canadian, Agreed. so it's a different government. It's fine. Uh, well, I agree about overthrowing your government. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, <laughs> but you know, there was like the pacifist Superman run with, I think it was Joe Casey and Derek Coyne, maybe. Yeah. Where they tried to do stories where super- Superman was not fighting people. It was really interesting, mm. but it's not in print and no one really remembers it except hardcore Joe Casey fans. Yeah, I know. <laughs> every, every few years, somebody uh, kind of takes a swing at that type of story. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I think like champions for a while. They were just like, they were building houses for people and doing just good things and trying not to like fight and destroy stuff. And it's like, well, (laughs) you know, (laughs) it's, 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 it's good in theory. It'd be great in real life. Yeah. But if I'm reading a story about, you know, pacifist Vikings, I still want them to beat the hell out of people. Yeah. But I think the series, it goes on to confirm that, Thor's choice was correct, but also that his path is like probably the most difficult way you could live your life in this particular time period. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, he got to have his cake and eat it too. Like he got to be on the battlefield and get all the glory and be guaranteed a place in Valhalla and also repent right at the end and try and live a peaceful (laughs) life for four or five years before the war came looking for him again. Yeah. I thought that him dying was both inevitable and still really sad and really heroic and really exciting. Like this is just such my type of book that it's silly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Same. <laughs> <laughs> We've kind of, kind of talked about like things that we really liked about. Was there anything about this book that didn't quite work for you or didn't hit the mark? Mm. Oh man. The samurai story never quite came together for me. Oh, the shits and gummy story. Yeah. Yeah. Even with volume two, like I get it. And this was probably our only chance to see it in English, but it didn't, I don't know, something about it just didn't quite click. Chris, how about you? Mm, I honestly was thrown off by the caricature of the first, so the first chapter, which is the present day chapter that's before they go to the flashback with the death of his father is like an 86 page tour de force. It's like that first chapter of Opossums that we read a couple weeks ago where it's just like one huge story that like shows you all what's going to be cool about the series kind of upends everything. Same thing. This is like massive. This was like, this is a four issue image comics mini series <laughs> as like one chapter of the first book that like is crazy. Like the fact that that exists is crazy. And it's like, Oh, this is why people like manga. Certain people really frigging like yeah. manga. You know what I mean? That said, the caricature in that is like, especially of that Frank King, the French King is like, or Lord or whatever is kind of off the charts and i was like what is this book gonna be like this is it gonna be like wacky (laughs) vikings and it's not (laughs) it's super not actually and that's crazy to me actually that that's like because it is such a good first chapter and it shows him to be this like amazing badass warrior who like lets his temper get the best of him it's so relatable but it it almost felt like it was too tight it was too tight was too put together it was too whatever like the caricature was too on point like it was just all a little bit like it was so accomplished and it was so thoroughly itself that i thought that it wasn't Mm -hmm. for me actually is what i maybe thought like and it's not especially as it goes on and you get the flashback sequences and you build back up to present day you realize it's a lot more that first chapter is really good like it kicks ass no no doubt about it but it's not what the series is. It just sort of is supposed to be there to get you a little bit hooked and then, you know, sort of go from there. So I think it's an interesting, it's interesting if you're reading it. Cause I think this is, I think that whole first chapter is free on the Kodansha mm-hmm. website. Yeah. Like if you go to Kodansha.us right now and type, or sorry, if you're reading the show notes at the same time and you just like type in Vinland saga, like you can read 80 Three pages of Inland Saga on that, and people still pirate shit. I don't get it. Like this is basically <laughs> like eighty free pages, ninety free pages of comic. Anyway, but it's not. It's not 
the entirety of the series. It's hard to do one chapter that's going to wrap up what the entirety of the series is. I totally get that. But like, that would be my major complaint is that it ends up, yeah, it's a 92 page preview of <laughs> volume one. Wow. I, I would say that like, it really is something else by the time you get to the end of this double hardcover. And it's something that I'm personally a lot more interested yeah. in reading. How about you, Chip? Did anything kind of not quite work for you, fall flat? No, I mean, I mentioned earlier that the character, the, the, the French bad guy, felt out of place retroactively mm. when nothing else matched it as the story <laughs> went on. But that's like, that's nothing. Like, this is such a well done volume that I, I can't really find any fault with it. Mm-hmm. The... Perfect. It's a perfect kick, Deb. <laughs> yeah. You know, actually, I've got one. Drawing the French. Drawing the French nobility as a cartoon frog almost is is pretty good. <laughs> oh, is that what the character? I was trying to think. Though. I was like, is this like an insensitive or just like a weird looking dude? I see it now. No, it's a it's clearly a frog. <laughs> okay, reference. all right. I'll put I'll put frogs from Spirited Away in the show notes at this point. And you'll be like, yeah, oh, okay. <laughs> and it's it's the nobility. The rest of the French soldiers portrayed very well, very yeah, respectably, <laughs> but. The two ladies massaging his back and head were also really funny to me. <laughs> like they're only in like two or three panels and they're just having such a hard time. <laughs> they're so over it. It's pretty good. But the one thing I, I remember that I didn't quite like, and this is borrowing a page from Chip, were the color pages. They were just kind of oh. all right. Oh yeah. Good good call. Good call. I was gonna mention yeah. those at the at the top. Like I feel like the palettes Bad. are kind of interesting, but the Maybe it's like the color holder. I don't know. It just doesn't click for me. Oh, oh yeah. It's so bad. <laughs> oh. I like the palette a lot, but I yeah. hear what you're Especially saying. Especially because there's such, like, there's shots you've seen before in other works, like, you know, the herons flying over whatever, France. Yeah. But other than that, everything else is perfect. So 99.9.999% out of 100. It's weird that you guys don't like it too, because it looks a lot like how Otomo paints. <laughs> it's <Yeah>. true. <laughs> oh my god! It's very flat. It kills all sense of depth. Like, like it's so it just boggles my mind because the line work in the black and white sections of this and Akira are so good at creating a sense of depth to structure, and and then the painting is just not that. Like everything is just so flat and dead. Like there's just no. There's nothing going on there. Mm-hmm. Ugh. Well, I'm going to one-up you here. I think that the computer coloring on the covers, the cover of number one is Thor's Finn with the cover, with the, with the, with the knife, and then the cover of volume two is, is Thor's, his dad. The computer coloring is worse <laughs> than the painted coloring. I actually like the computer coloring less. The, the flat coloring the, and the, the color holds and the lack of line work is more the, interesting to it me. It is more it is more interesting, Photoshop but the uh, the covers are saved by the fact that there is also line work. Yeah. Yeah, that's a yeah. benefit to the covers. But not always either. Like some of the some of the stuff doesn't have oh, it's more on the second cover. Anyway, long story short, not not a fan <laughs> of the color myself. I'm on I'm on your guys' team right, this so time. So we agree that this book is bad now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like one of the Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, let's maybe, maybe we can go around the table and give a little closing thoughts on this one. And also to maybe like, is this a good manga to recommend to people who are, haven't read much manga before? What do you think? I will jump on this grenade. I think <laughs> it definitely is. If you haven't read much manga before, if your friends haven't, if you like works like The Expanse, like Amos from The Expanse, I feel like it's very much a similar examination mm. of masculinity and violence, things like that. This book will probably be very much up your alley. And if you just like cool action comics like Berserk or whatever, like this has all that too. And they did the Makoto Yukimura, the author of this one, did a collaboration with the new Assassin's Creed Vikings game, Assassin's Creed Valhalla. And it's like seven pages. It's very slow. Oh, wow. But it's like seven free drawings of more Viking stuff. So <laughs> it's so funny. Like I've played most of the Assassin's Creed games. Like mm. it's like the only series I actually like pick up every installment, but I have 
almost no love for Vikings, so I did not pick up the Vikings <laughs> one. And now I'm probably going to pick it up. Yeah. <laughs> this book has convinced me to love Vikings. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Chris, any closing thoughts for you? Yeah, I've been, I think you picked this. I think you were, you first mentioned this thinking all the way back because I'm on one of the shout outs I mentioned, I was playing a lot of games, right. Valheim, oh. which yeah. is uh, a Viking game. And you were like, oh, have you read Vinland Saga? And it's like, no. <laughs> um, and then you were like, eh, and I'm threatening. And then here we are 30 weeks later and you're like, guess what I did? I don't really care about Viking shit. I was playing Valheim because it was a fun game to play with friends at the beginning of the pandemic, especially when we were all locked inside and couldn't see friends. So my brother and I and some some childhood friends we get together and play. And the funnest part about it for me is building. You can it has an amazing build system. It's almost as good as Minecraft in terms of like build, being able to build these like awesome things. So I wasn't actually that stoked about reading Vinland Saga. Like I didn't really you recommended I was like, all right, 450 pages here. We go. I felt very like shit. Oh, wow. <laughs> Finally. In that moment. I was like, here we go. And especially because I mean, my husband in the other room would just watch all of the Vikings shows and I'd be like, Ugh, I don't want to, I don't want to. And then now I'm reading this and it's like, I think he would actually love this manga. So yeah, I wasn't super excited about it. And even reading it, I was just like, Oh, I don't know. This is really intense for me, but it's, it's just yeah. so good. Like you can't, you can't pick this up and start reading it and not realize that it is just done at like, even if you hate it, it's, you're still going to give it a seven <laughs> out of 10. It's yeah. like that good. You know what I mean? And I think that that's incredible. I think that there's, there needs to be more work like this. And I do think that if you're the kind of person who likes, you know, that kind of serialized in- entertainment, especially with like a little bit of a historical bent, you're going to love this book. You're going to absolutely love this book. I think that it's cool that there's more stuff like this coming out in North America now too. Although everything's got to have a magic twist or a sci-fi twist. That's just the way things go, unfortunately, because you got to be able to make it into a movie that costs hundred million dollars instead of 10. But yeah, I think this is exactly, this is the kind of thing I would normally say for show notes, but like Kim Thompson who's one of the founders of Fanographics with Gary Groth, late Tim, Kim Thompson wrote an essay maybe 15 years ago that, you know, pardon me for putting words in his mouth, but was essentially like the most, it was like that fanographics description of drunken dream. It's like, this is the good stuff. Not like all that garbage <laughs> and the knockoff shit. Like, it was very fanographics. Yeah. It was like a fanographics essay. But the, his point was, look, we've got a lot of really good art comics now. And we do. We had like, there was, there's the classics of the medium. They're there and there's more coming every year. No one can stop it. And it's like, and we've got a lot of like low entertainment. Like there are, you could choke a school with the superheroes that get published. Oh, wait, every sorry. Week, let alone. You could choke a school? Is that a is that your new you phrase? Choke a horse. And I'm like, what's bigger than a horse? Like a like a let's say a a field of horses. Or right, we'll make it Vikings. You could choke a small village of Vikings <laughs> and then destroy their homes and use All them right. to set a trap with the amount of superhero comics that are published every month. But there's no middle. There's no twenty four. There's no serialized television that hooks people and gets everybody excited. That, well, that was the, yeah, that was the promise of image for years. And that was the yeah. promise of image. And it's not, I don't think it failed yeah. it. I think what the middle is has changed a lot. And I think the fact that TV is, I don't think anyone could have seen what TV is today, 10 years ago. It is, it is yeah. wild out there. Could have, having like a hundred zillion channels out there will do that. <laughs> yeah. And everything is like pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> actually, yeah. like you will never want, like if TV stopped being made tomorrow, you'd have pretty good tv to watch for the rest of you know your natural life and i think this is it like this is the like exciting middle ground exceptionally well done comics that the industry has always needed and has always existed in other places and hasn't necessarily existed in north america he described it all as shit though in (laughs) in true fanographs he's like we need more shit we need like less superheroes and we need less art comics we need more shit to like really hook the like average middle brow reader that yeah, doesn't yeah, all those and it's dumb like, dumbs out there that's that's where <laughs> yeah. it got the fan out but like the core of the idea is correct we don't have yeah. a middle and a lot of the time in comics it's either one thing or the other scott mcleod said something similar in making comics which is actually a really good book and is kind of reviled uh, because it wasn't understanding comics too yeah everything's kind of like everything's kind of like superheroes or it is like nothing like superheroes and it's like where's the where's the 24 where's, where's the Where's the serialized? Yeah, te- yeah exactly. Like, where's that? Te- where's that 
media that people, most people actually yeah. like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And this is exactly it. And this is, there's nothing we've read maybe that has been more that than this. And that sounds a little bit like damning with faint praise, considering I come from an art comics background, but it's not, it's abs- it's exactly the opposite is like, we need stuff that is like good and smart and well done and comes out, you know, other than a little bit of a break between chat volume seven, and volume eight due to publishing shenanigans. I think we need stuff that like this. We need a hundred more books like this. And I'm so glad I got a chance to read it. Thanks, Chris. We need a hundred more books about killing. (laughs) (laughs) Not killing. Yeah. Yeah. And pointedly not killing. That has cool killing in it. Chip, do you want to throw in your last, your uh, last take on this? Good book. (laughs) (laughs) This this is one that I'm going to recommend to almost everyone, especially people in comics just as a great example of comics and what they can be just so they can feel as bad about their comics as you <laughs> exactly. feel about exactly if i can spread my <laughs> wow. internal misery to the rest of my peers i will <laughs> have you seen this book he draws so much better than yeah, you. yeah <laughs> and the storytelling is just amazing like so yeah. good what are you doing yeah what are you doing yeah. anyways how's your issue of the hulk coming along <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, if it makes anyone feel any better, what we're getting when we're getting a book like this is the cream of the cream of the crop. Yeah. Like, yeah. like this is this is an mm. award-winning book. It's been recognized as being a really well-done book. And this author is doing it, I think, as a monthly series. So he's not trying to pound it out a chapter every week. He does have the luxury mm. to draw beautiful work. Like, I guess, to me, it reminded me of like what we were talking about with Bride's Story, where it's both historical and there's this attention and love for the historical detail. But mm-hmm. also a, a love for t- storytelling that sometimes is just told through facial expressions and gestures. You know, you can see like in Thor, it, the way that Thor's face changes from when he's a family man to when he's having to go to war, and then when he finally feels mm-hmm. like he, I'm just going to fight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like that, those face, those face, the way his face changes. Like in the when you first encounter him, you think. What a sweet, mature, centered man. How could anyone think of him as being this bloodthirsty killer? You know? Why is everyone so afraid of him? Why does mm. everyone want him to come back to war? And then there's that moment where like, he's on the ship and the, uh, they're trapped in that gorge. And then their ship faces the enemy ship. And they, there's a row of people facing him. And he's like, he ha- his face just changes. It's, he's, he's back in that mode. And it's it's dis- mm. it's a little disturbing to see, because after all that he's all the way that he's demonstrated, both by words and actions, his belief in peace, how he's fought to maintain that principle, it's kind of heartbreaking to see. And mm-hmm. I, I think it's really lovely that this is all done just by art, you know, not by just- internal dialogue, you know. Disturbing and heartbreaking for you. Very exciting for David and myself. Yeah. <laughs> when yeah. his face changes, I'm like, all right, game on. Now it's time. <laughs> Theoretically, yes, heartbreaking, of course. But the implications are doing bad. This. The execution, awesome. Yeah, exactly. Awesome. I was telling Chip during the break that, you know, like we were saying, the, when, when Marvel says you got to have at least one ass kick and fight in every issue. <laughs> I thought, well, is that kind of like, like when you watch a Korean drama, like there has to be at least one super awful rich family to mess up the relationship. <laughs> <laughs> there just has to be one scene where the mother-in-law or the whatever is just doing something so heinous because they're rich and arrogant. Because without it, every genre has its conventions. There's, there's, there's no joy, you know, there's no, where's, where's the thing I need that, that makes this, that it. makes this so exciting and satisfying. <laughs> So now I can't help but imagine The Sopranos is a Korean drama because of Tony's mother. Mm. Oh. <laughs> uh, how far how far in are you? I'm at episode ten of season one. Okay. So far enough in to recommend Vinland Saga to anyone who likes The Sopranos. Like I feel like yeah. they're also dealing with a lot of the same things. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, that was an awesome talk about Vinland Saga. So I think we can pretty safely say go buy it if you haven't bought it already. Makes a lovely Christmas gift. Mm. And we'll be right back after this hopefully lucrative commercial break. (laughs) 
Grand Canyon University's RN to BSN online degree program makes earning your bachelor's in nursing possible. Balance online coursework with local in-person clinicals to position yourself for potential leadership opportunities in the time you have from wherever you are, leaving room for what matters. Achieve your goals with your personalized plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Right, and we are back. I guess let's let's close off this week's show with a little bit of some shout outs. I think David, maybe you had something to share. Yeah. So I need all of you to get five dollars out of your wallet and give it to me right now because <laughs> I I think when this comes out, I'll just released a new comic called Apollo Kids with my friend Caleb Golner, which started nice. out as like Caleb's been bugging me to make comics for years and I didn't want to make comics. So I wrote like a short story for him to adapt. And he was like, yeah, that's cool. But like write a script. And then he basically bullied me into making comics. <laughs> but my thinking was, Oh, I'll make a comic. Like Caleb has like a really cool, like kid friendly style. And it'll be for my little brother and sister who were like, I think nine and 11 at the time or uh, like very young preteens. Yeah. So I wrote the story, sent it to my mom, and she was like, way too violent, not showing it to them. I was like, okay, well, <laughs> <laughs> I should have seen this coming. <laughs> but now that it's a comic, it looks much less violent than it does reads as prose. So I'm excited to show it to my mom and get like an I told you so in there. <laughs> but essentially, it's called Apollo Kids. It's about two twins. It's about 16 pages long. One twin lives in space in like an orbiting space station. One twin lives on Earth. And the twin on Earth fights robots for the glory of the Empire. And the twin in space is kind of the operations deck. When does it come out and where is it coming out? It's available now. You can go to gumroad.com slash David Brothers. And you can buy it there for five bucks or more if you would like to pay what you want. If you have like a guilty nice. conscience, I'd be happy to, you know, be your sin eater. Six dollars even? <laughs> yeah, six. Yeah, yeah. Six fifty. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Wait, American? <laughs> yeah as a canadian is there a discount for me or, yeah. yeah you did but, want to overthrow my government earlier so i feel like i should only have to pay five yeah. that's fair but we need that yeah. government gone but a fun action comic it's like a nice lark on a saturday morning check it out gumroad.com slash david brothers it's called apollo kids awesome. awesome way to go man very cool and Deb, you've got a book that looked pretty awesome yeah um, it's a book i've been really looking forward to reading for a long time it's called Heaven's Door by Keiichi Koike. It is, I think, maybe the second work of his that's in English. He had a, a short story in the Tipping Point anthology from Humanoids. But mm -hmm. it's this is a collection of his short stories that are kind of they're they're kind of like if you like if you like heavy metal, if you like drugs, <laughs> you know? and, and I do. I guess even like Satoshi Kon. It, there's some trippy sci-fi hallucinogenic trippiness on it there's horror it's just beautifully drawn and super imaginative mm. it's this really fine line work and also it has like some elements that look like zap underground comics of surrealness oh, wow. it's kind of goes all over the place as far as like his his storytelling and his imagination it also has this beginning uh, section that has a die cut like a six-page full-color story that unfolds as you open up each page, and mm. which makes it such a beautiful experience in print that I highly encourage you to check it out in print. It's available from Last Gas Comics. They have a pre-order link on their homepage right now, and it's going to come out in January. So I highly recommend it. Cool. He's, he did a manga called Ultra Heaven that is, I think, four volumes in Japanese and is on hiatus, which is basically about a world where hallucinogenic drugs are legal. And he he knows how to draw when you're tripping balls. <laughs> I could say that he, he, he probably does it the, the best representation of what it feels like to be on mind-bending drugs in a really um, astonishing way. It's worth checking out. All right, cool. cool. How about you, Chris? You have a shout-out? No, I got nothing. I was just trying to think. <laughs> How about no, you, Chip? Well, I've just been reading books for work. I, I feel like what what do they call it? A basic bitch. Oh yeah, for yes. going on about succession. But <laughs> it's it's just great. It's such a great show. <laughs> and also, it was something we mentioned earlier. 
A special shout out to Vince Vaughn and Curb Your Enthusiasm, who is now old enough to be on Curb Your Enthusiasm. <laughs> I realized with this week's episode, I'm just like, I'm looking at him and his mannerisms. I'm like, finally, finally, he he has hit the stage where he could be Larry David's friend on the show. Nice. <laughs> I think that's something we can all aspire towards. <laughs> yeah. I need to, I've been putting it off. I want to catch up in December because Curb is such a good show. Yeah. And like taking like just a hard dose of it is like nothing else. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's a good season. It's, it feels a bit broader than uh, usual and maybe a little bit bloated at times, but like, I just love those characters. They're just yeah. the worst. <laughs> <laughs> a friend, we jokingly suggested doing a Spider-Man movie where Larry David was uncle Ben and he doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> it is like the most poisonous idea I've ever had, like, had in my brain. That's so good. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it would be especially itself. good if it was like like the current Spider-Man movies where it's like Marissa Tomei was still <laughs> anime. Because in Curb Your Enthusiasm, he's always dating these women are like, there's no way. Yeah. <laughs> um, why aren't you so heading good. Marvel Studios, David? Why? <laughs> I want to head HBO. Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Deb, who edited Heaven's Store? Um, I, I just realized we there, we might have a friend in common who worked on that. Colin Turner and he- Evan Hayden. Oh, Ajani did the translation. Oh, Ajani Oloye. Yeah, so he's he worked at Vertical Kodansha. The line is so blurry with those companies, but he's worked on a lot of cool stuff like Attack on Titan. Uh, he's a great translator, really good editor, really good guy. Um, and it's nice to see him working on like alternative manga, too. He's got a great voice. So I'm even more looking forward to that. Yeah, the translation is pretty sharp. It it's it's quite uh, to me the seams are invisible. Nice. It's a mm-hmm. it's an immersive experience. I like it a lot. Cool. But buy the heck out of it so we can get more of this kind of comics. Yeah. <laughs> Available yeah. now at lastgasp.com. Not a paid plug. <laughs> just 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 one more thing. Larry David is Uncle Ben. If it's not called Curb Your Responsibility. Oh man. <laughs> I don't I don't know what else you'd call that. <laughs> The thing that made me laugh the most was imagining his reaction to Galactus and possibly <laughs> opening a spice store next to the Baxter building. <laughs> oh, yeah. please, please, please let this be a special dream sequence in Curve. Yeah. <laughs> Listeners, if you're ever having a bad day, just come back to this moment and it will solve it. <laughs> Oh my god! Oh my god! I'm gonna get in touch with Marvel right away. <laughs> yeah, David needs at least points on this one. Yeah, with a producer yeah. credit. <laughs> oh, you're 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 writing it. Nice. <laughs> no doubt. No doubt. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us for another manga explaining. We'll be back next time with some more wonderful manga to be explained. been manga explaining episode 40 thank you for listening our next episode will be discussing the manga golden kamui by satoru noda want to pick up a copy consider supporting your local comic book and manga specialty shop find one near you at comicshoplocator.com or check out your local library for print and digital lending options you can also follow along with our complete reading list at mangasplaining.com thanks to dids for their musical accompaniment for this episode